Welcome to TCP episode 8, conversations about life, health and overcoming the challenges we face on our individual journeys. This time I speak to Phil Harbison about his journey with religion and we discuss our individual situations. Phil studied geography at Manchester University, then trained as a primary school teacher. He taught for three years before spending a year teaching in Chongqing, China. Phil returned to the UK in 2004 to teach for another year. Phil then became full-time with Oasis Church for seven years, five years as the church leader. Phil returned to China, where he worked at New Day Foster Home with the Beijing International Christian Fellowship. Phil and his family finally returned to the UK in 2017, and after a short sabbatical, Phil started working as a self-employed painter and decorator, which he continues to do to this day. He's married and has four children and lives in Essex. As usual, we have a good old convo waffle. So get ready. Here we go. How are you doing? You all right? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in a shed. Oh, okay. Is that outside or inside? It's outside. I've got mm-hmm. the heaters on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the only place to get peace and quiet in the house. Well, where are you at in your faith? Do you, have you lost your faith? I mean, or have you lost your beliefs? Or do you have a sort of some kind of beliefs? Or where are you at? Or uh, And also, is it how's it affected your family? Because... It's not just you, is it, that when you're in a church context, it it affects our family. So my wife um, is, is going to church. She's found another church, but it's a much different oh, wow. context. Uh, yeah, mm. so she's actually been able to do that and somehow reconcile. But I, I kind of um, got very interested in like history and the Bible and stuff, and I started digging, and I started to get into a position where actually – it's not very historical from my perspective of my research and a lot of it is very questionable. And I started to sort of, so in the cult context, there was a lot of emphasis on prophetic and hearing God's voice and God says this and God says that. And I started to sort of think if God's really saying X, Y, and Z, why isn't the world responding? Why isn't anything happening? Why aren't people changing? You know, if God's really saying this and from my perspective, it became really that, God wasn't really saying as much as the people that were saying what God was saying were saying. So it was, it wasn't really sounding very much of a godly message. It was more of a message out of people's mouths. And that's yeah. where the sort of identity comes into it of saying these people, they have the connection to God. They're the ones that are really anointed. They're the ones that are really blessed. They're the ones that, you know, God's speaking to. And it had a disconnect in me of this whole thing of all of the teaching you know, as we were growing up of saying personal relationship with God and all that kind of thing and hear the voice. And so, you know, there's a real conflict in it that people tell you that you need to have a relationship with God and you need to hear God's voice and have discernment. And then on the other side, they're saying, well, we're the ones telling you what, what God's saying, what to hear and how to do it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a bit of a loaded, long question or a long sort of leading, but 
I mean, what are your thoughts? Thanks. Uh, it's a great question. How long's a piece of string? I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's so massive. It's such a massive question for me. A just a massive topic, a massive issue for me. Hmm. I'm someone who has given up everything for his faith, really. And not everything. That's an hmm. overstatement. I've, I've taken it very, very seriously. I'd, I'd have called myself a bit of a kind of zealot, a bit of a kind of uh, really believed in the whole thing to the extent that uh, you know when I was growing up all I wanted to be was a a, a church leader a pastor uh, you know I grew up in a Christian family my parents were missionaries my dad's mum and dad my grandparents they were missionaries my mum's dad was a vicar you know my mum's granddad I think was a vicar you know it's like like I didn't have a, I didn't have, I I didn't have a choice you know mm. In terms of um, my upbringing, so I think they call it now. I think they call it your inherited faith. The question is, what what was what was the faith you inherited, and are you still following it today? Mm. <laughs> so I always so I remember when I when I um, left university, I went into teacher training mm. and became a teacher. But the only reason I became a teacher was because a vicar of the church I'd, I'd been in had said to me, "Oh, Phil, the best the best thing you can do." to train to be a vicar is become a teacher because you because you get to know how to manage people and you get to you know you get to learn all lots of really useful skills <laughs> in a different context and then you know go back to being a vicar and so so that was that with that in mind I went to train to be a teacher and when I was a late uh, kind of I think it's when I was 18 a late teenage I, I took my first trip to China and again I the reason I took a trip to China was because I knew my my grandparents had lived there they'd met there they got married there and I wanted to kind of check out what their lives were like and I remember thinking this is it this is what I want to do I want, I want to be a missionary in China <laughs> you know and the again the organization I went with for that little short-term trip they, they advised me they said you should have a five-year plan to come back if you know get 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 qualified get a degree get a decent skill and then you've got something to come back with and so I remember thinking, right, right, I'll do that. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking, I, I want to be married too, you know, because right. it was it would be quite a lonely thing to go to China on your own. And so, f literally five years later, I had qualified, I'd become a teacher, I got trained, I'd done a couple of years, I'd got married. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. <laughs> I ticked, I ticked them all off, you know. And then five years later, I, um, Laura and I went for our first kind of year in China with a mission, mission, mission missionary organisation called OMF. And I and and then the, the vicar pastor kind of church leader type side of me. I remember when I was I think I was 17, 18, um, thinking right, I'm I, I want to in ten years time I want to be I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want to be a church leader. <laughs> I had all these different things, and then and sure enough, ten years ten years from that point, I was married. I was I had just started leading um, a basis church in Chelmsford, mm. and so. All that, all that, just to put in context, I have really kind of through my inherited faith and then through the choices I've begun to make as an early adult, mm. faith was everything to me. You know, mm. I, I made it my life. I made it my career. Mm. And I, I brought my family into that in terms of, uh, you know, event. So, so just a whistle-stop tour, mm. I led a church for about seven years and then ended up going back to China, was in China for five years before returning to this country, 2016, I think, 2016, 2017. Right. Uh, there were highs and lows, um, some successes, some 
wonderful failures, some wonderful things, some really difficult things. But in all of that, I, I remember feeling fairly consistently, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not, I, yeah, people talk about doubt or mm. things like that. And I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that must be tough for you. But I had no experience. No, I couldn't relate to it. You know, and what happened, what happened was when we were coming back from China and when, when we were in China, I always had this, this kind of concept, this hope, I guess, a slightly naive hope that God would call me back to, to the UK when it was the right time and that he would provide for me and that it would be crystal clear and I'd know what I was doing and doors would open and all this kind of stuff. And what, what actually happened was more of a crash landing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we kind of ended back in this country and, mm. and I just had no clue what to do. Uh, we, we had, we had traveled to eight different countries to, to check out different opportunities right. uh, in terms of, we didn't actually want to come back to this country. We wanted to, to stay living abroad. But in every place we went, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. I just didn't sit comfortably. And what I, I don't think what I realized at the time was that this, the, the, the fancy, uh, you know, um, fashionable word at the moment is deconstruction. This deconstruction I was having of my faith <laughs> had probably already started. Mm. And so I was beginning to, beginning to have that sense of uh, I'm losing the plot here in terms of my faith. What was the trigger? I mean, is there is there a point at which, because I can think of a time, I mean, in about 2018, I was I was in hospital. And when I came out, the, the leaders of the cult were extremely off with me. I think I'd had doubts before. But at that point, I really started to think, this is just not what I signed up for. You know, mm. I've, I've put in a lot of effort. Like you, very, very faithful, very committed. I'm not saying I'm the best Christian in the world, but I'd been a trustee. I had done various, I mean, I'm good at DIY. So I'd done lots of, you know, installing things and maintenance on the building. I was a worship leader for a long time. So I put in a lot of time in worship. We were committed to the prayer meetings. We committed to the various outreaches or whatever was going on. You know, at that point, it just stopped making sense to me because the words that were being preached didn't align really with the experience that I was having so you know I was not blaming God in the sense but of saying you're saying one thing and it's not my life isn't working out in that way and yet you're saying to me that it's because I'm sinning somehow that my life's going badly and yet I hadn't done anything different to what I'd always been doing and I was still trying to be faithful so I was actually for that 2018 so what it's a couple of years so 2021 we left October 2021 we left so in that couple of years I tried to sort of do it and then we had the lockdown and I having zoom meetings and all kinds of stuff and it it came to a point where so I had testicular cancer in that period uh, in 2020 late 2020 and I wasn't really upset with God or anyone about it but the leaders were upset with me because I didn't I didn't go to them and sort of say oh I've got this and they were like, they got really offended that I hadn't gone and talked. And I felt quite guilty about that. But then I was talking to someone the other day and they said, well, it was none of their business. If you didn't want to tell them, you didn't have to tell them. So I'd kind of got guilty anyway. So that had been a real trigger for me um, in their response to that. And, and there was an undertone of you've got this cancer because you've done something bad, you know, sin, generational, whatever. And that's that's really. So I asked literally when I left, I had a phone conversation this is on the phone and I had the conversation 
And I asked the leader and I said to him, why have I had the cancer? And I wasn't expecting a good answer. He could have said to me, oh, no one really knows or not, nothing. But he wouldn't answer me. And at that point, it just, just fell apart completely. Because if a leader of a church cannot answer you in, in a simple question, I mean, he could have lied to me and said anything. But in that context, so, you know, I'm not bitter, but it was just like, if you can't answer that question, then I don't believe that you actually have any answers at all. Because if you can't answer something like that, then then, then you're a bit of a sham. So back to the question. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was a long explanation. So the problem I've got is that every time you, like you're talking about deconstructing, deconstructing is, is a very long, complicated process. It doesn't just, you don't just flick a switch and go, oh, I've lost my faith. It's like a, why, why is this? Analyze that. So I did masses of research, listened to loads and loads of people talking about scripture, about the Bible, about the history and all that kind of stuff. So that that kind of helped to deconstruct it because a lot of the Bible isn't factual. And yet we were taught very, very strongly that the Bible's inerrant and there's nothing wrong with it. So all these kind of things. So sorry, back to the question of, so you're saying that you start to deconstruct. What caused that? What a beautiful question. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's so many factors. There's so many factors, you know. I mean, just from what you were saying, there's um, there's experience, you know. There's stuff, when stuff goes wrong, the relationships or health or whatever it might be, they're natural times when, like, you start you can start those questions there's ch the ch church just being part of a an organization <laughs> that is human <laughs> some a lot more human than godly than you know mm. than perhaps others you know I, I i've heard so many people who've left the church because the church has offended them and wounded them and hurt them mm. and then in, in that process they've left god you know i've known other people that have left church because church has hurt them but they're still, but they still got some kind of a faith, yeah, you know. Yeah. For me, again, lots of different factors. Part of it was experience, so that that kind of crash landing of coming back from being living abroad, mm. and for me, just feeling a sense of abandonment, like God had just abandoned me, and he, mm. it was like I didn't get any sense of direction. That the, the direction and the the next steps and the clarity that I was really hoping. So the last place I wanted to end up was Chelmsford. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> and, in, in, you know, in, in everything. And I just couldn't believe that I'd ended up in Chelmsford. I just could not believe that that's where I'd ended up. And so I think uh, looking back, and, and I think I realised at the time, but looking back, I was grieving a whole ton mm. of, of the life I had abroad. And really resisting change, resisting having to adapt and live back here. So trans, the whole transition thing and the grief of, of the, that can happen in transition was quite deep for me, you know. So what triggered you to come back then if you were happy? You were in China and you were happy. Yeah, we, we, we were in China and we were living just outside Beijing. I was working with some uh, international church in Beijing. And as a family, we were based at a kind of orphan care kind mm. of um ministry the last couple of years it, it, was, it was a really wonderful time but the last um kind of period of time there mm. we it, it felt like that the, the to use kind of churchy jargon it felt like the kind of god had lifted off it off our experience so, you know it was almost like it just it was feeling like it was time to move on mm. and so we so laura and i had talked and, and prayed about it a lot and just felt like yes it's time to move on but 
but we didn't want to move back to the UK. Mm. <laughs> Looking back now, I can see that the timing was actually right. The, the government, uh, the, the Chinese government shut down a kind of private orphan care facilities uh, and right. took, all of the, took all of orphans back into kind of government wow. care. So the, the whole ministry we're working with had to kind of take a very different turn and mm. all the foreigners were kicked out and sent home. And so we would have been kicked out if we hadn't left when we left kind of thing. So it was a, um, an, an exceptional circumstance. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But so, so yeah. So the experience of, of going through that, the grief, the sense of God, why weren't you there? And, uh, you know, then we, we, we started attending the church that had kind of sent us, uh, the church that I had previously led. And I, I just couldn't, I, I found it, we, we went up until the kind of pandemic for a number of years and, mm. Uh, you know i just it's almost like i couldn't i couldn't find god there you know i couldn't like my experience of god was had was changing and so i would sit there grumpily during the worship time (laughs) generally at the back of the room and then begrudgingly kind of listen to the preach and then enjoy a nice kind of chat and a coffee afterwards you know and i'd often go home going oh i really enjoyed the coffee and and, and the chats and the people and stuff, but you know, the actual church part. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I remember, you know, I, I kind of went, well, it's, it's, it's not the church, it's got to be me. I, I'm just not in that place anymore. Yeah. You know? And I ended up not even not even staying in for the preach. I'd go, go for the singing bit and then I'd just go for a walk around the block <laughs> because I craved my own space and, and I craved an internal space. And I just didn't want to hear someone else's words on it, you know. And then at the same time, similar to what you were saying, I, I uh, that for years, this these quest, these theological questions and these questions about the nature and character of God and the Bible and mm. were kind of beginning to get thrown up in the air again for me. I don't know. We probably haven't got time to go into all the glor- glorious and gory details, but just very briefly, I begun to I begun to question certain theologies and get into a different understanding of God before we went to China mm. and when we first landed in China we were a part of a very small team and I, I made the mistake of verbally processing some of my thoughts and it caused the biggest chaos and mess and a huge conflict we ended up kind of getting kicked out of the city that we land we'd started in which was in a kind of more remote part of China it, it was just an absolute mess. That's why we ended up moving to Beijing. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I, I very much repressed and pushed down any kind of theological questions and thoughts because it had got me into a lot of trouble. It is a rabbit hole, but is there something specific that you could bring up that you were questioning? Well, so like, like you kind of mentioned, it, I was brought up never questioning hmm. things like the atonement. So, how you be- how, what you believe about Jesus' death and, re- and resurrection? Yeah, the reason for his death and resurrection, and linked to that issues of heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I was brought up as a good evangelical, believing that Jesus was abandoned by God on the cross, mm. and the reason for that was to rescue us out of eternal conscious torment of hell mm-hmm. and place us in in heaven. You know, and we were lucky to get in because re- the rest of the world was going to you know eternal conscious torment (laughs) nice (laughs) and somehow somehow i grew up even preached on it 
you know even like even led a church thinking that was the right way mm. you know now i would view that as heresy <laughs> utter heresy you know now i look back on that belief going how could how could i possibly have believed that without questioning that you know so that that's one one example of um how that changes so i started to question the my inherited faith really in terms of the, some of the theological kind of side of it mm. and just for t- taking that thing of the atonement for others to, to, to realize as i read up on it to realize that what i had been brought up to believe was a theory out of many and that actually millions of christians globally don't actually believe the the, the certain theory that i grew up with that my little niche of evangelical christianity is a very 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 small part of global christianity and my set of beliefs were quite narrow actually (laughs) yeah so so things so things like heaven and hell if i start as i started to think through the implications of maybe i don't believe in hell being a place of eternal conscious torment maybe maybe hell is about a present day lived experience maybe hell is something else you know and and so suddenly I kind of go, well, well, what else? It's like a, a dominoes. If, if, if that wasn't true, what else isn't true? Mm. You know, what about, here's another one. Um, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Well, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I just want to laugh uh, now about that, you know. The problem is, is that um, if you actually look at the Bible as a canon of books put together by the council, isn't it, of Constantine? Am I getting that right or wrong? You know more than me. <laughs> so I might have to redact this and talk talking of redaction. Yeah. So the Bible is a group of books put together, but also they are written in varying time periods. And once you start digging into the history and people talking about that, because they can date Bible very pretty accurately by looking at the language, the way that the Hebrew is written. And so okay. Genesis wasn't written you know, by Moses and all this kind of nonsense, like the first five books of the Bible, there's a classic thing that says that Moses wrote the first five books. So, and all these kind of things are, are turned turn out to be really quite nonsensical. And then also you start investigating Near Eastern myths, as in deities and gods. We've got another issue with, with Yahweh. Yahweh is a sort of, turns out to be potentially a local deity to that region. And then you've got El, who is the God. And then there is actually evidence of a pantheon that has been removed from so one of the psalms gives a you know when all the sons of god shouted for joy there's a bit in it like that and it's been changed in various ways but it's actually a sort of knockback to the fact that they were polytheistic most uh, you know religions in that region and that area and there's all kind of things like zoroastrianism and all kinds of other religions and local religions in the region so when you start actually looking around the context and the historical it becomes a lot more muddy and even in genesis there are two narratives there are two stories in genesis there are two that's creation right. stories and that's so right. it, it's it's very very bizarre that we we're yeah. being told this is inerrant and that there is nothing fallible in this word so th- that's my sort of few little bits of this is very undetailed so so it's not it's not very accurate information i'm giving but so I, I wonder if you've had that kind of experience as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I only realised recently the difference between a theologian and a Bible scholar <laughs> and how often Bible scholars will have a very different way of approaching that. They'll approach the Bible as a historical text. Yeah. 
and look at some of the things you're just mentioning, you know, but without the kind of loadedness of what are, what are the implications for my faith and how, how do I lead a bunch of people in the church through this and that kind of thing, you know. And I've been really helped by a wonderful podcast called The Bible for Normal People. Yeah. And it's, it's by a couple of Bible scholars who approach all those kind of issues you're talking about from, from a more kind of academic without worrying too much about the kind of the faith side of it. But, you know, stuff like that really freaked me out. Uh, you know, to realize that our, our creation story in Genesis, for example, mm. was perhaps a copy of ones that had existed, you know, by mm. in other cultures and other times, you know, yeah. or the, 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 the temple, you know, these intricate um, details of how the Old Testament temple was supposed to be built. And, yeah. And then realizing that actually there were other temples in that time um, to other gods that existed that it was pretty much a copy of, you know. <laughs> Well, and it's very interesting like the when you actually put your brain in gear and you read some of the things about the temple ceremonies about the grain offerings and all this kind of stuff and actually it starts to become and also the timings and the, the cycles yeah. of the moon and the sun and that it starts to become well to me it became sort of slightly obvious that actually they were you know offering like to the harvest and it was a sort of rip driven around the seasons of making offerings you know to a, a god yeah. of the harvest a god of the seasons and a god of the one of the fascinating things about genesis that i, I found really fascinating was that um in africa the cradle of humanity which is where yeah. we all come from that there was a, a period uh, before the sahara desert that 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 land was very fertile and lush and it was like a garden you know it was a, a very oh. easy to live and you could you could survive by and the uh, narratives in the Bible are often against that kind of coming to a position where man started to cultivate the land and actually organise society. So it, it's almost like in Genesis, there's a mourning of that period. And wow. that, that God was just the owner, you know, in the, in the Genesis, really, God was the owner of a garden. He was the, he was the owner of the garden and he let the people live in it and, you know, told them no, not to do something naughty. And yeah. then the other, even the other aspect of it is that how Satan is transposed into Genesis, whereas Satan doesn't exist in the Bible until much, much later. So Satan is transposed onto the snake. And then, but when you actually think about the dialogue that the snake had with the woman, it actually is that the person lying about what would happen to them isn't the snake, it's God. Because God said, surely if you eat of this fruit, you will die. So it, it's a very, very interesting position to be in. Once you do start questioning and you start reading, you start thinking. I think that's one of the big, biggest things that I found, like, like you when I was growing up. Accept this stuff. It's all true. Don't question yeah. it. And listen to the leaders of the church because they'll tell you what to do. Yeah. yeah. Much to my, I think I do regret it now, thinking. Yeah. I wish I hadn't listened to so much of the nonsense I've been told, not because the people were bad, but because what they believed was bad. I, I totally agree. You know, one of, one of my paradigm shifts for the Bible was, I think it was from the Bible for Normal People podcast. And they, they said, tried to explain that the Bible isn't so much the story of God, but it's the story of, peop of, mm. of people's perception of God. You know, so another another one I've always struggled with is that, this divided, uh, you know, bad God in the Old Testament, good God yeah. in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. 
this kind of schizophrenic, wrathful God versus the kind of grace-loving Jesus, you know. And so uh, for, for a long time, for, for years in, in that process, I started, one of the first things I dropped was the, the kind of label evangelical. I, I found myself going, I can't, be, I can't identify anymore as an evangelical. And, and uh, one more thing I'll say, Donald Trump. The reason I, the reason I say that is, is because I found myself, as I began questioning things and things, I, I found myself getting very angry and offended at people who identify as Christians, particularly evangelical Christians, particularly in America. <laughs> Because of, um, you know, my, my wife's half American. I, we, all our, our international friends were mostly American now in, in China. So I, I really love Americans and America and American culture. You know, I, I really do love the place. But I, I just started going, how can you possibly? I just, I just couldn't. I scratched my head and go, how can you link nationalism to Christianity in the way that you do? You know? Mm. How can you be so lusting power in your country and try and link that with your with your faith? You know, um, mm. so, again, that's a whole nother rabbit hole of how uh, I listen to a ton of different series of podcasts and different people. And uh, just in terms of how the evangelical church in America has linked up uh, with political power and the, the repercussions and implications of that, you know, mm. so uh, Christians leaving evangelical churches is apparently the biggest movement in the church at the moment <laughs> and part is, i'm not surprised doesn't surprise me either interesting because one of the things that i i remember having conversation with someone once and saying oh i don't know how people who don't have a faith live or you know can get through life and i truly believe that i truly believe that if i stopped being a christian somehow i'd be bad which is what kept me in it for a long time because i, I was like well there's nothing better than this you know in the if you look around in the world then islam is pretty bad and then hinduism and all this buddhism and all this i don't really have much truck with that and i like the simplicity but the actual bits of the gospel that i really cling to and i probably still would are, are things like love you know love your neighbor as yourself you know treat other people as you expect to be treated and don't love you know don't love possessions and money it's, it's kind of all the really simplest answers are, are the really the right ones really and don't you know don't go around hurting people but um yeah. the actual thing is of i've stopped being a christian and i haven't turned into a, a serial killer or a wife beating asshole so i, yeah. I don't you know it, it's a funny blackmail when you're in the system that, that it's like if you if you leave the system then you are a heretic of some some kind of you know and you were never really a christian you were never really a, uh you never really believed because you've left yeah i had i had that exact thing a church leader sit me down and say you know if you if you're not coming to church if you're not believing anymore if you believe in the bible and all this mm. and he listed examples of oh their marriages broke down <laughs> they committed adultery they become new age hippies they, oh. you know this, and I, you know i remember just thinking uh yeah i don't don't actually have to do any of those things I, I i cannot believe in god and not go to church and have no faith in fact some of the some of the friends and people i've observed outside of the church are are more lovely and more generous and more giving in parts uh, than <laughs> christians that i know you know yeah so um what happened in, in when the pandemic hit i stopped going to church and I, I did the zoom calls for a little bit and then then they dropped off and then my son picked up rugby, um, as you can imagine, always plays on a Sunday. And so I, I had this, I remember the first time he we went was on a Sunday. And I, I remember the coach 
picked him out and just beaked him up. Said, "Oh, this new player, he's oh, I'm so grateful he's part of the team." <laughs> and I could see my son just his um, self esteem was like <laughs> uh, was skyrocketing, and I and I'm like, "This is exactly what he needs. He would not be getting this from church. He just wouldn't, especially at that time. What he needs is the challenge and the camaraderie and the and and the you know the the push that rugby might give him." And so I became a convert to Sunday sports <laughs> <laughs> and the rugby dads and mums, mostly dads that kind of hung around during the matches would become my kind of, became my kind of new church. And, and, you know, I, Alex, I, I was in awe at some of them, you know, of their love for their families, their desire to help their communities, the sacrifices that they make that they you know, I, I really believe I, I kind of discovered God in those people that would not claim to have any of God in them. Um, mm. But I, I really believe God is in them. And I can see God's work, God at work through them, even, even though they don't know it. <laughs> and along with that, this deep sense of aloneness spiritually as well. So not going to church, not finding myself questioning faith to the extent that i didn't know how to pray anymore you know I, I couldn't sit there i remember the first the first lockdown that we were under you know and i remember trying to get uh, having so much time alone <laughs> having to take a bit of space from the family because it, it when it gets a bit too intense mm -hmm. just around the same people all day to have, yeah. you know myself off to my shed for half an hour <laughs> and just going i don't i don't know how to pray anymore because i don't know if there's anything there anymore and so I would say I got to a place where I genuinely kind of lost it. You know, I, I lost any sense of. And so my my prayers were more a sense of me speaking to myself, yeah. words of encouragement or but but feeling quite alone, quite in a sense, really missing that sense of God and the sense of there being someone out there. You know, remember when am I at the same time of. Um, I kind of alluded to earlier, but I started working as a painter decorator. Yeah. And um, again, coming from being a church leader and a missionary and all the rest of it, suddenly to go, bam, I'm decorating now. <laughs> and hanging around building, build, you know, hanging around tradespeople. I remember one of, one of my colleagues said to me, um, something like, you know, oh, if I had believed that all my life, and then I realised... It wasn't true anymore. And then he kind of, it was like, it was that kind of sense of, man, what would I do, you know? And I remember thinking, you have no idea, mate. <laughs> you know, he, he, I mean, I'll just put this one out there as well. I remember the whole pure, we grew up in the purity culture, evangelical purity culture, yeah. where I remember when I was, when Laura and I were dating and engaged, there was a culture in the churches that we were involved with where, um, there was a, almost like this challenge you can't even kiss your fiance until you get married you know mm -hmm. there was like these these <laughs> legends going around of it. Like, we walked down the, uh, you know my wife yeah. walked down the aisle and the kiss we had on our wedding was our first kiss <gasps> do you know what i mean and and so when i look back and i go what if that all oh, that was just what if it had gone construct? wrong <laughs> what, what if what if, what if you weren't was... compatible <laughs> well yeah well precisely you know what it, i just it's i found it staggering and when when growing up as a christian at times felt quite costly because you happened to be so countercultural and so you had to sacrifice so much in order to be good and pure and and, and the right you know be the right kind of christian mm. but again if that was all wrong man i, I could have had a lot more fun <laughs> i could i 
I, my life could have been very different, you know? So yeah, grappling with some really heart-wrenching kind of things like that and just this sense of aloneness, you know? I think it's back to your original question. What, what was it? What was it that triggered? Mm. So it was, it was the theology. It was the understanding of the Bible. It was church and experience of church. You know, I, I was so done with religious institutions failing me and letting me down mm. and realizing that it's just humans trying to, trying to do something with, often with their own egos, you know? Yeah. Feeling a personal sense of disillusionment, abandonment, a sense of things just did not work out how I wanted them to. And yep. then just feeling like God just was not there just wasn't there just gone you know and then taking church having not attending church anymore mm. it just left me in that place of uh, kind of losing it all really i think you realize what a bubble church when you actually think about church churches are very insular things i mean the, obviously i again come from a christian cult like perspective of, of the past bit but all churches i've ever been to are kind of quite in, insular in inward facing they're not really out well they do community things but they don't really work in the community in the same sense of people that just work for the community there's always a sort of bit of a motive going on which is still inward looking and i found with christian leaders that they live with affirmation all the time they've got people they keep people around them basically who worship them so if you're going to be in that context then of course if you go up to them and say well i'm having some doubts and all this kind of stuff they don't want to hear that. They don't want to talk to someone that's been in the church a long time saying they've got doubts. They don't want to hear that because that undermines, as far as they're concerned, it undermines them. So, yeah. and they, they don't want to entertain that. And also the other problem that I had was as soon as I had one question that I couldn't answer, it opened up the floodgates. So it, it causes a, a cascade effect. So as soon as there was one thing that just didn't make parity, no matter what it was, you know, whether it was I'm praying and nothing's happening and yet I'm being told that if you keep praying, something will happen, you know, daft things like that. Or, oh, I can see that the way that people attribute things to God is by confirmation bias, by saying, oh, I need, you know, 10 pounds today to do something. And I found 10 pounds on the pavement. So surely God gave me 10 pounds serendipity and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as soon as you start questioning it, and you don't get an answer it just then asks another question and then another question and another question and again it's not that i wanted to stop believing but once the questions yeah. came it really did yep. make me think if there is a benevolent you know benign god of the universe he's very quiet if you look at the world yeah. of all the the babies dying you know babies dying in africa let's be cheesy about it or why is africa still such a mess why, yeah. why is Islam, you know, rising in, in terms of certain things? Why is America the way it is at the moment? Why is identity politics taking over? You know, all yeah. these things where pray as Christians and we bless and that, you know, looking at the queen, even like as um, she was one person that actually seemed to actually talk the talk and walk the walk. And we, and we yeah. had this yeah. queen and now she's gone. It's like Prince Charles is sort of like, I think, oh, you know, he's a bit of a interesting character so you know what yeah. next what next for our nations yeah. and, yeah. and I'm, i just feel that if if there is a god overseeing us then he's very distant he's very distant i think one one of the phrases you used there was i didn't intend to, to go <laughs> down this path, you know and I, I that really stands out for me is as you know, i don't think any anyone who goes through this process 
it's not it's not something you go oh i think i'm gonna lose my faith today (laughs) (laughs) you don't intentionally want i I wouldn't have wanted to to go down it's much nicer to live in your your little bubble and and carry on believing what you've always believed it's a much easier thing to do that actually Mm. than to really grapple with the questions you know but he is a positive though one of one of the couple of positive one of them is that there's so many resources out there for people who are deconstructing struggling and doubting yeah for example there's a podcast called the nomad podcast i I found that uh, just the voices and experiences and and kind of stories of people who were going through and had gone through the same things i was going through and i found that enormously helpful to just go i'm not alone you know Mm. I felt alone. Apart from my wife and I, there was literally no one really that I was talking with that that could, I could relate to and understand, could could understand this, you know? Mm. So yeah, so listen to, listen to great resources like the Nomad podcast and the Liturgist is another one, just people kind of sharing their, their stories of this. And another positive was, uh, one thing I learned was that it's not sure to, to stay with your same set of beliefs your entire life. (laughs) And so, uh, I remember hearing someone say, um, again, it was part of this kind of, that they were brought up uh, in their family with the understanding that your beliefs will change as you grow, because that's the nature of growth. Growth is you learn and you understand and, and you change what you think. Now, in a, in a kind of Christian context, you're not meant to change your theology and your belief and what you think about the Bible, because you, you're, de- you're deemed a heretic. You know, you don't mm. fit in anymore. You, you're one of them, not one of us anymore. You know, mm. all of that kind of thing. But actually, that's just that's so that's so immature. We're, we're supposed to grow and change and think different things. So where I've landed with faith and belief now is in a different place to uh, what I was a year ago. And that's healthy. And mm. and it's very tempting for me to go. I want to consolidate what I believe. I want to I, I want to flesh it out and, and, and write it down, and make it the thing. You know, that, that's kind of our tendency, it seems mm. to be as, as human beings. But. But that that's just so wrong because in a year's time we should have a, a more developed understanding you know i remember i had this little breakthrough in my relationship with god where i was just out walking the dog and this thought came to me that the god that i have experienced in my life you know mm. in my in my experience of church and, and and relationships with with other believers my experience of just different experiences of, of seeing answer prayer of seeing just stuff happen that I, I can't deny it had it had something of the mark of the divine on it mm-hmm. that god is the same he's the same but my understanding of him changes all the time <laughs> so one of the one of the, you know one of the things the bible says is he, god's the same yesterday today and forever mm. which is i'm sure true it's just that our understanding and experience of him changes <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it, that kind of married really well with um, I, I've got to be changing how I view God, which I think is a story of the Bible of, of people, you know, where we get to in, in, in the Gospels and in, in the kind of New Testament is a, is a changed understanding of God to what you have in the Old Testament. Mm. It's a great example of that. So that, that was really encouraging because that's not something that we were told growing up. Um, so that was kind of kind of helpful. I, I've um, I'm in a really interesting place at the moment, Alex, mm-hmm. because I've begun to dip my toe back into church, Ooh. and uh, I've started. Um, Laura and I had started going, just attending our local Anglican church. It's just oh, a yeah. little village church. I found myself 
and this is just like last couple of months mm. and i found myself start starting to want to go back <laughs> and i mean it, it's there's nothing glamorous about this at all you know and it has everything that as a as a kind of happy clappy christian i would have rejected and gone oh that's rubbish there's nothing in that you know <laughs> liturgy why would you why would you say the same things every week well you know bible readings in church or you know all this kind of stuff I, I you know but now i'm i'm discovering that there's a i'm discovering this this safe place on a sunday where i know what they're going to say because it's a liturgy you know mm. it's not going to freak me out it's not going to it's not going to upset me. It's, it's, it's grounded. It's, it's been worked on for, for, you know, many, many, many years to get these words that they've, they've kind of crafted these prayers that are, that are prayed. And I, I'm finding it, I'm finding it weirdly life giving. And it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's brought me back into a different space than I was, mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful for, really grateful for. And so I'm a little bit surprised because six months ago, in fact, when we met in February, I was right in that thing of, oh man, you know, this is crazy. But but I feel like I'm I'm hungry again in in a in a way that I've not been for a long time. Mm. And you know, I, I feel like I feel like deconstruction and doubt, it's been a painful journey, misunderstood by people who are still in church, mm. labeled as being whatever by by people that see you go through it but for me it's been it's been a deep rich time of growth you know where i've been able to you know like not attending church for so many years for probably three years allowed me to go to the depths of what if all this is a a load of rubbish you know and and so i kind of go if i've still i've still got doubt i've still got questions i've but i but i want to I think I want to have a life that has faith in it rather than life that has no faith in it. You know, I, I feel like um, my mental health is maybe slightly better. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's just that's just where I've landed at the moment. Well, that's interesting because uh, sadly, I I've landed on the wrong side probably, which is that I just have lost my faith completely. So I yeah. I, I would put myself in slightly, you know, in the atheist camp now, but yeah. not because I despise religion and i i don't despise god or or the theory of it i just find that i don't have enough proof and that i need more than just people telling me nice things so but interestingly when i was growing up i went to we went to an anglican church i used to like all that i like the service book i like the reading out of the I like the communion I like all that kind of stuff so I actually find that more than evangelical church so I I find the same I have the same response as you if I go in a an old-fashioned church I actually prefer that because there's something about it that is actually reverential respectful yeah It, it has a a root it's not just a building and it was built by the community for specifically well in theory the worship of god so it was done as part of a community thing so you know that the people that built the churches those stone churches that we you know we love in the summer we went to norfolk and we went to um you know there's there's lots of nice churches in norfolk so we went into one and you know you just get a sense of something grander greater something more spiritual yeah but i i still personally have kind of lost the plot in terms of spirituality maybe I will come around in time. I just guess that it was just one of those things. This experience that we've had has been so 
for me was so damaging my wife has, has found another church but she's gone into a church of england church so, yeah so she's yeah. gone back a step in terms yeah. of so maybe it's charismatic evangelical kind of happy clappy scenarios that aren't really cutting the mustard i think sometimes i think not being part of church and being being atheist for a while however long that might be maybe maybe forever who knows but is not a, it's not the wrong side it can it can be the most important thing we do it can be the most healthy thing to do it can be the most healing thing to do you know so good on you yeah i mean i'm similar to you with like walking i, I will go on a sunday rather than going to church i'll go for a walk and i'll explore my thoughts and i think that is for me more spiritual than going to a church meeting and being told a load of stuff that doesn't really mean anything in my day-to-day life yes that's right reasoning out and you know i'm human as everyone else is so i get annoyed at life and various contexts yeah. but i'm not in a position of blaming anyone for anything even with with health concerns and things that i'm dealing with it, it doesn't mean that i'm i know that the the context i came out of would probably think that i'm bitter and twisted and angry at god and i'm not i'm not angry at god i'm more angry at people for their behavior so i think i think it's sort of this sort of filtering out of what is so much people versus anything that maybe is god or something greater because yeah. because it's so muddy the water in any yeah. teaching in any church context in any denomination i mean there are thousands of denominations so have they all got it right and everyone thinks that they're the right one and everyone thinks you know all the others are yeah. wrong so yeah. that's very human isn't it <laughs> I, I find it immensely sad immensely sad uh, how much damage the church has inflicted on people <laughs> I, I just finished um, this series a, a podcast by christianity today called and um, the rise and fall of mars hill again just really it's a really well-produced podcast very very fascinating but um really tracks it tracks this kind of the, the leader mark driscoll of the church who, who i used to love and listen to his podcasts and read his books and all that kind of stuff and just realizing that actually he was an absolute sod he was awful <laughs> awful awful person and his leadership style was so abusive and controlling and all the rest of it the, the, the numbers of people that are just walking wounded who who don't who are atheists now who are you know whatever i i, I just I, i'm just like oh man it's embarrassing that's what it is <laughs> it really is yeah uh, yeah it is it is <laughs> and yet i'm in a place where i still I still look there's something about church i still love mm. i don't I, you know for, for all the the crap and the it's the people that are the problem um often it's the leaders but yeah so what's what's next what about are you taking your are you just going with your wife or are you taking your children what, what's next where are they at where is everyone at yeah my wife and i laura and i together are going going together and it's nice yeah i like that um we i have i've always been i think i've always valued that sense of my kids have got to find their own way with mm -hmm. um with those their kind of journeys i think they they all have had enough of experience of <laughs> church and christianity to you know they, they talk about their re lessons at school and how they they actually know some of the questions to the kind of christian part whereas no one <laughs> no one classes have has any idea who anyone is any kind of christian stuff is it, it's a it's amazing how a common society understanding of Christianity and God has just gone, you know, it's just not there. But yeah, they, they, I think they would be in very different. I got the four, I got four kids and they they're all would all be in kind of different places, but I've struggled with that. It, to be really honest, uh, you mm -hmm. know, I, I want them to 
at times I've obviously in a place of deconstruction and doubt and unbelief and I've given up my faith I kind of I kind of from that point of view I'm like well they can do what they like you know <laughs> not going to make any difference but having kind of moved through that a little bit and and where I've currently landed, I, I feel quite, I, I feel peaceful with where they're at. I think it's more important that they, they learn how to manage relationships well, learn how to love people properly. Like, like you said, you know, learn some of the principles that, that I grew up with. Mm. That, that It's like we, we, have, we have an inherited faith that even if we're not currently walking in that, there were still good things about it that it's like we, we, it's not, we can't chuck the whole thing out the whole baby you know can't don't chuck the baby out of the bathwater type thing it's sometimes hard to see when you're in that place of of deconstruction it's really hard to see any good in it sometimes mm. but actually they were really really positive things and i want my kids to to benefit from the positive sides of, of stuff you know without the negatives so I, I i want them you know when you go for a walk on a sunday morning instead of going to church there's, there's something so spiritual in that mm. and whether it's that you're connecting with your own emotional self and having a chance to process and being replenished by nature or whatever it is, there's something spiritual, I guess you could call it that. And I, I want my kids to be able to pull on resources, internal resources from that, that space. Mm. Cause I think that that's part of what's helped me survive life and work through issues and walk through difficult times, whatever. How about yourself? In terms of family and my wife keeps her faith and she wanted to keep it. I am not objected to that. So she goes to CV church now and she takes the kids. I am yeah. not sure exactly where the kids are at. My older sorry, my oldest daughter is 18, and then I've got a 15, and then I've got nine and six. So the older ones are quite sort of into Christianity. Wow. And I wouldn't discourage them from having it's the values that I, I value as well, because yeah. One thing that concerns me, obviously, for my 18-year-old daughter is finding a good partner. <laughs> if um, yeah. she can find someone who's who's sort of good, really. But, yeah. but, you know, you could find a bad person who's a Christian. So it's not necessarily she would find a good Christian man. But I think it's probably a safer context in a lot of ways to find men that have got at least some kind of value and might respect women a little bit more but i don't think that is just christians i think there are varying levels in society of that so for her i mean and that's fine and she's she wants to move out of home and find a job so and and she talks about finding a church and she does that so my 15 year old daughter is similarly sort of into church and all that kind of stuff and believing but she's dealing with friends at school who are into various weird ideologies that are now permeating society so she's she always says i'm the normal one and they're all you know in the rest of them she thrives on that she doesn't suffer from it so um you know it's a good thing that she knows who she is and she knows her identity as a you know as a female and as a as a person so um that's a good thing and the younger ones are just they're they're just young so they're still at that that tender age really where they do what they're told (laughs) yeah that sounds that's really good it's really nice talking to you and it's really good to chew on the fat a bit and talk about it you know like talk to someone about their experience and it's interesting hearing your experience and that you've come i don't think you've come full circle but you've certainly come in on a journey where you're exploring the possibilities so probably should start to wrap up yeah it's a real privilege to be able to chat about it really i've not really i'm a, bit, a little nervous about it in some ways because i've not gone public with <laughs> any of this really it's it's been mm. a very 
for me a very internal journey mm. and i think because i've not wanted to upset or offend old friends who who are still really strong in their faith and so on mm. or cause other people to unnecessarily go go down a path that might not be right for them yeah but it, it, it yeah so it's a real it's a real privilege to be able to talk about with you alex and yeah. um I hope that someone's helped by it. Well, they will be. And I'm the same because I, I don't really like, I don't like the word atheist particularly. I don't like, yeah. the, I don't yeah. like that word. And maybe it is the wrong word because you cannot definitively say something. You can't sort of make a definitive argument against God, really. So yeah. it's an arrogant position. And I know that. And I find it difficult. And I find it difficult to talk with. And say if I was talking to someone with a strong faith, I, I sit there thinking I just have to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to yeah. offend I don't want to offend them and I don't want to discriminate and condemn them because if that's what they believe and it's not really hurting people I know they're like we talk about their extremes and their all that kind of stuff and I'm not talking about people who are extremists I'm talking about people with a faith and people that yeah. strongly believe and they're yeah. not hurting yeah. anyone and a majority of, of Christians are pretty liberal. They're the most liberal kind of people, really. They're the most forgiving. Yeah. They're the most generous. All these kind of tick boxes. And, and okay. yeah. Yeah. We've always got people who <laughs> make it look bad. But the majority of people are they're the same. They want to be kind to others and respect and give to the poor, you yeah. know, help the needy, help the orphans, help all that kind of stuff that we all hold true. So yeah. I don't want to abandon values like I yeah. have values that I, I don't really hold to a lot of, you know, you get loads of money, you'll be happy. But although I'd like yeah. more money because <laughs> sometimes we struggle a bit, but um, yeah. I don't think I don't think finances are the key to happiness. I don't think that having a, a like even having a ministry or leading other people is the key to happiness. I don't. There are yeah. lots of things, aren't there, that we're kind of told that if you're in a position of power, that you'd be happy, and and it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really work like that. So um, there are some good principles in there. So I wouldn't like to destroy anyone's faith because I'm I'm miserable. Yeah. It's not my position to do. On the um, <clears throat> at the same time. I remember feeling quite alone mm. in that you don't, you know, if you've kind of moved away from your Christian faith, you no longer fit in with the church crowd. Yeah. But but you're also because of your 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 background, you're also not you don't really fit in with everyone else. <laughs> and so you're you're in this kind of no man's land. And so that's where I I, I think if someone's in that place, I, I want them to know they're not alone. They're really not alone. There are so yeah. many people that have got maybe a history of Christianity, maybe were brought up like that yeah. and struggling and have lost their faith. And they're not alone in that place. You know, mm. so it's really helpful to talk it out. And Alex, you're, you are one of my absolute heroes, you know, after listening, after listening to the podcast, you know, the po you, your podcast so far and meeting you again for the first time in many years down in February. I, I left that time in the pub just in awe, if I'm honest, at the depth of depth of what you've been through, the, the convergence of, of your health issues and the nightmare of church and all these different things going on. And, and I, I was just sitting there going, crap, I've got nothing like that going on. <laughs> I've got lucky no you. <laughs> you. You're <know>? lucky. And, uh, <laughs> And the fact you then got up and started doing stand-up comedy and started doing a podcast <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, I'm just like, wow, this guy, this is, he's amazing. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's my new religion is uh, doing <laughs> podcasting. I think that's it, mate. One of the interesting things that came up in a conversation I had with another. See, I've re I've been reconnecting with said this before with other people. Yeah, and they they talk about I never thought of myself particularly as anything, but they told me that they thought that we were incredibly resilient i suppose yeah. if you look at what we've been through we were actually 
quite good that we're still together and that our relationship hasn't been destroyed by external forces you know we have been through some interesting stuff so it's kind of interesting and and if i am resilient what i want to share is that that's not a unique gift to me yeah that yeah. there are lots of people and and you're you're resilient and you're you yeah. can be my hero in other contexts because <laughs> listening to your story strengthens me so listening yeah. to people's stories is, is strengthening and it is nourishing and it is spiritual so hearing yeah. Yeah. hearing those experiences and hearing that even if we're talking about like on the podcast talk about health it's still a spiritual thing to go through an experience of dealing with a severe mental health issue is 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 still yeah. very very soulful it, it it's in the depths of our souls, all these kind of things. So maybe that is the spirituality that I'm tapping into at the moment is these common shared experiences and yeah. the it's like joy of talking about it with other people. And it sounds yeah. serious and it sounds like all oh, terrible that the church treated you like that. But I'm stronger, I'm better, yeah. I am freer because we have escaped it. Yeah. Whatever they did to me is nothing compared to the gains that I've had since we've left that's pretty you know in the 10 years that we were in it or whatever leaving it in the year that we've left we have been much happier as a family we've had time together we're not constrained by you know literally we had to go to church on a sunday now if yeah. everyone's feeling a bit like oh we don't want to go to church they don't go to church it's not really? legalistic it's not heavy it's not a burden yeah you know even on that level that spiritual level of we don't have an expectation on us we don't have to be ticking ticking the boxes you know it's what you talked about at the that's beginning. right we're all, we're all yeah. good at saying if i just do this this and this then everything will be fine and that is not yeah. true in life life is not like that and yeah. we are weaker when we fall into that trap of trying to please other people and trying to make trying to make other people feel better about themselves in that sense of religion yes maybe we're talking about two concepts of separating the religion from the spirituality so maybe even that is a good separation of get the religion away yeah. from the spirituality and then get the spirituality yeah. right and then maybe the religion could bolt onto it but i think that's where it's gone wrong so many times is that religion has taken over and saying do this this and this and follow this yeah. set of rules yeah time and time again in different churches and the puritans and all this kind of thing the, the breakaway movements the reformations and all that's yeah. happened like even with henry the eighth you know breaking yeah. away from the catholic church all of these movements have been about control and about people saying this is the way that you do it and this is the new religion and then god gets pushed to one side because it's actually about following a set of rules that's very profound mate i like it too profound for a sunday evening. thanks for listening for more content please visit alex-green.co.uk. Please feel free to join in the conversation. So, until next time, please keep calm and convo waffle. TTFN!